It's show 60 of the Rim Pro Report. This week, Michael Marchand of Veritrust Corporation. Sponsorship of this show is graciously provided by O'Neill Software. A few weeks ago at the O'Neill Conference, I saw something pretty cool. It was a community of O'Neill users, the, the actual people who buy the software, dedicated to supporting each other as it relates to the way they use their software and the impl- improvement and implementation of it. While O'Neill provides a great framework and a great software, their clients actually help steer the process forward to create great results for O'Neill users. And that's what I I think is so cool about a company that's international, that provides all these different perspectives, uh, all these different clients with different ways of doing things come together in this really cool software package from O'Neill. If you want to learn more about them, you can do so at O'Neillsoft.com. Dot com. Well, all right now, this is show number 60. I think we should get to it. Welcome to the Rim, Rim, Rim Pro Reports, the one and only weekly broadcast for the Rim support services industry. Bustling with news, views, here's what I believe, and the latest updates. That's just them. The show is full of interesting information, stories, yes, important product and service reviews, yes, and a cast of industry characters included. Yes. <laughs> Record center operators, shred and destruction vendors, media and electronic vaulters, scanners and imaging providers. Take note, this show is for you. Now, here's your host, Tom Adams. Yes, it's me. It's Tom Adams, and I am glad you're back on the Rim Pro Report this week. I'm excited that uh, you're here. I am glad to be here, and I am glad that we're sharing this next half hour together, whatever time it is in your world. Uh, one of the things that's really cool about a digital uh, digital radio, if you want to call it this, or a digital show, is you get to see kind of the evolution of how a show works. And uh, what's interesting to me is uh, in the week that the show was put out, uh, a whole lot of people listen to it, but we get shows that uh, produce 500, 600, 700 listens over a period of time. And what's really cool about that is these shows kind of live on. And I know you might actually be listening to this show much beyond today in terms of when it was actually recorded for you. But uh, for those of you who are listening to it in the moment, welcome to the middle of October. I hope you're doing well. Uh, We're in a bit of a heat wave here in San Diego, but all is well. I'm hoping there'll be no major fires, which is uh, always an issue here. Uh, Today, I'm excited to have Michael Marchand on the show. Michael is the co-founder and chief technology officer at Veritrust Corporation in Houston. They serve the Houston market, San Antonio, Austin. Uh, Great company, an amazing company, actually. I love these guys. I think they're doing some really cool stuff. I've been watching them for years, and actually, um, Michael was featured on the show Actually, really early early on, it was show number four, and the interview on show number four was actually an interview I'd done with Michael actually almost a year before the show started. So I'm excited to have him back because uh, Veritrust has been smoking. They, they are just smoking hot ever since then, and I thought it might be cool to have him back to the show to chat about the secrets of his success and their success there at Veritrust. But before we chat with Michael, let me get you caught up on some of the latest industry news. ARMA conference begins next week just outside of Washington, D.C., and lots of industry people attending that show next week. So if you're going to that one, I hope it's a good one for you. Tonight, scanning school starts in Fort Lauderdale. Andy Sokol, who's been a guest on the show, leads an 
excellent scanning education program uh, over the next few days. Hey, November 7th to 9th in London, England, the 2011 NAID Europe PRISM and ARMA conference happens, and uh, that looks like it's shaping up to be a great program as well. December 7th to 9th, Gail Bisbee's next document imaging school as a uh, part of confidential records management in uh, Greenville, North Carolina. That's uh, December 7th to 9th. And then starting in December and throughout January, NAID's going to be holding their CSDS exams across the U.S. If you're preparing for one of those exams, uh, clear thinking encouraged from me. If you're not planning on doing that CSDS exam, might be worth checking it out. I think it's a great, incredibly cool program. No other big industry news in terms of acquisitions this week that I'm aware of yet. Normally, I, uh, you know, I try and know by Thursday morning, but at this point, I don't know the answer to that. So if you have any news that you want to share on the show, please let me know. As I said earlier, I'm looking forward to this conversation that I'm just about to have with Michael Marchand. So rather than uh, delay it any further, let's get right to it. Hang on while I get Michael on the phone. We're back and I've got uh, Michael Marchand on the line. Michael is co-founder and chief technology officer of Veritrust Corporation in Houston. Michael, are you on the line? Yes, sir. Hey, so good to have you on the RIMPRO Report. Early on in the show life, show number four of the RIMPRO Report, we had you on and it was actually a recording from uh, almost a year or two earlier before that. So you haven't listened to uh, the show and I'm not talking about you, Michael, but anyone who's listening to us hasn't listened to that show. It might be worth going back. But in case they don't go back and listen to that show, tell me a little bit more about Veritrust. Where are you now? What are you doing? Your business? Some of the just general overview of the the Veritrust, who you are and what you're doing. Yeah, that back, back from that original show, so much has changed, both from a business standpoint, how we approach our business, uh, me, me personally. So today we're probably about 10 times the size Wow! when we were during the original interview. So really? that means, you know, 10 times the people, 10 times the customers, 10 times the revenue, and, and 10 times the bills. <laughs> You know, added to that, the, the complexity. Yeah. So from from a services standpoint, we, at the time, were just focused on our records management services and storage, uh, our off-site data vault, which, which all of that was fairly new to us. Yeah. Today, we have added additional business lines, so we're now into imaging. Yeah. Uh, we do hard drive and media destruction on-site. We have a um, custodian of records practice. Uh, so we've just tried to add complementary services around the core services that, that we've always been doing. In brief, give us a quick recap of the Genesis story of Veritrust, because I, I know we've done it before, but uh, just it, sort of the, the, the high-level stuff. Tell us how Veritrust began and how it got started and where you f- what, what got you into this game in the first place. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Strangely, the, the kind of economic parallels of, of the 2000 to 2002 time frame, which are very similar to the economy right now, is really what got Veritrust started. Um, back at that time, I was coming off of the, the Internet bubble, working for uh, different technology companies that had e- either uh, just completely collapsed or, or were not funded well yeah. or not run well. 
I personally at the time saw that there was risk parity between working as an employee in, in any company, uh, large or small, um, or going to work for myself and, and starting a business. Right. So, so to me, uh, the answer is pretty simple. <laughs> I trusted, tr- trust myself more than I trusted somebody else. So, um, along with my co-founding partner, Chris Godnich, um, you know, we, we literally went out and got personal loans, uh, from a bank, uh, started from scratch with no customers, no infrastructure, um, and just built from a clean slate. And did you um, start? Did you start in the the data side of the equation or the box side of the equation? We started both at the same time. Okay. The okay. the original the original spur of of what got us even looking at this industry was I, I was working for a technology services company and had a client who needed to store backup tapes offsite. Oh, okay. I contacted um, a local service provider, went and visited their facilities, reported back to my client. They did not follow up with him as far as trying to get the business started. I went and visited a second service provider. Same thing. There was no service follow-up. And at that point, I realized, you know, I'm in sales. Hmm. Someone's handing, handing you know, me an account. Right. It's not that hard to follow up and, and get the business started. So we just started doing research into the industry and just really felt there was a service need here in the Houston market. Yeah. At the time, I had a, a friend, uh, Chris Godnich. He had worked for, or, and, and, at the, and still works for a large chemical company. And he, like me, was kind of looking for a long-term out uh, from the corporate world. Oh, uh, he, okay. he had had a, you know, a stellar career at a large chemical company, but you know, had, has young kids and also uh, was looking for something you know, different down the road. So we kind of put our heads together and looked at where we had skills or where we didn't. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he had skills that I didn't. So the partnership worked out um, you know, w- well as far as uh, starting Veritrust, the planning that we did, um, and we've just grown from there. So you, you said earlier you've grown 10 times since we last talked about this. And uh, what's interesting to me is that, and I've heard this over the years, it takes one thing to become a million-dollar company. It's a completely different way of thinking to get from being a million-dollar company to a $5 million or a $10 million company. So in this evolution, so you guys get it going, you, you build it, and if you want to hear that story, go back and listen to show four. But let, let's go from show four to you know this 10, 10x factor that you talked about. What are the kind of things that had to change to get you from being the small company that has now grown exponentially 10 times? Because I, I think there's something going on behind the scenes that makes that, that truly blossom. It doesn't happen by luck. Yeah, absolutely. There, I would say the number one, probably the number one driver to get you um, to that larger growth factor mm-hmm. is really the people that you hire and the people behind uh the scenes in your company. Right. When, when we started out, we, you know, it was basically Chris and I and, and a couple others. Uh, over time, as we grew, we added additional staff. Um, you know, you're, you're always able to kind of handle what you have at the, at the moment when, when you're in a startup mode. But when you become 10 times larger, not all of those people are able to grow to that level. 
Right. So what we have done in the process is we, we still have many of the original employees that, that we had, uh, but we've also added um, people that have additional depth and skills uh, that have enabled us, enabled us to handle you know, more customers, um, deeper processes, the technology piece, We've surrounded ourselves with, you know, contractors and vendors that are knowledge-based and help have helped us to kind of get where we needed to be to be able to service, you know, again, 10 times the clients, 10 yeah. times the complexity. So then how, if staffing has become so critically important to that, how have you sort of evolved or thought differently about that staffing element? How, what are you doing when you're choosing a position or when you need a position filled? How are you looking at that differently than you did, say, five years ago? Yeah, I, th- I think originally um, when we would go to hire people, you know, we look for quality people, obviously. You always want to work with, with good people. Yeah. Um, but the skill set needed to be a little, a little bit different. You know, back, at, back when we originally started and we needed a delivery driver, you know, we just needed a guy that could, could drive from point A to point B. Right. Now, now with the technology that we have in place, the tracking systems, um, you know, we need a driver that, that also has the aptitude to be able to learn, you know, the software applications we use, processes that we have that, that are much, you know, more uh, thought out. Right. Um, and so we need people with a different kind of aptitude that can learn very quickly. And so I think that's that's the biggest driver is you need people that can ex- can accept and handle change, uh, which is hard. We're, we're we're we still feel like we're in a startup mode. Yeah, it's still very fast paced. So lots lots is changing. There's a lot of moving parts, and you want people um, that can adapt to that and and thrive in that. Hmm. So. Uh- in terms of some of the other things that have been the the catalysts or or um, pieces of growing so significantly, so staff has been a big one. Have there been other other secrets to sort of propelling the success you've had? Yeah, I think so. I mean, we we when we originally started, um, the top people we had in place, including myself and and Chris. Um, you know, we were doing a lot of operational kind of task-related uh, work. Today, I would say that we we study our business on a very granular level. We are not afraid to turn over rocks to see what's underneath or to look in corners or to get dirty, you know, in our business to try to find where can we improve. Right. Uh, what what kind of technology can we add? What kind of security can we add? How can we better a process or, or speed it up? So I, I think really taking time to kind of look at our business. Um, you know, we, we do not have a problem kind of what and what I call kind of the creative destruction and, and rebuilding. And the, and if that's a process that you know we have internally. That needs some work. That's fine. If it's a piece of technology that's just not working, yeah, and we need to we need to do something different. Um, you know, we're not afraid to do that. I mean, we're we're always looking for areas to improve. You know, we have a lot of customers that we service on a daily basis. Um, so just trying to make sure that everything gets handled, clients' assets are tracked correctly, and we can report on that um, is, is a lot of work. Yeah. So I, I think we just really continually study our business and and try to learn and learn how to be better and this is on a daily basis 
but it, so it's coming it's coming out of being stuck in the operational side of it and it's maybe going back to what Stephen Covey's concept of work on your business as opposed to in it all the time is that is that kind of the implication yeah absolutely I mean you, you really have to I think it's great how we got started that we were able to to work at the very bottom level of our business because again we didn't come from um, from the industry, we had never worked in a record center. Right. So we started out delivering. We started out creating work orders in our software. Uh, we started out putting boxes on shelves, sweeping the floors. So right. we know from the, from the ground up yeah. uh, what it's like to do that kind of work. And so over time, you, you have to evolve to where you get people in place that you trust and you ha- allow them to do their work um, and you need to take a look at your business and try to find ways that you can create value, you know, for, for your yourself and your clients. Right, right. I know for both you and Chris, a significant uh, a significant part of this whole process is not just what you're doing in the business and on the business and the the focus on the business, but. Uh, my sense is that what you guys do uh, as individuals and the way you learn and you grow independent of the business is now coming back and affecting the results in the business. Would would I be correct in saying that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we we I believe both of us have an innate kind of desire um, for quality. I mean, we we expect it as as consumers or or business buyers, and that's what we like to give to to our clients and, and to our people. Yeah. And so, you know, again, we're always looking for, for ways to improve, make the service faster, um, and to add value. You know, we, we've not been afraid um, to admit to ourselves, you know, we're, we've got a problem here and we need, we need help on it, whether it's out, an outside party or internally. Yeah. Uh, we go and we visit other record centers to kind of see what practices uh, they have that we could perhaps adopt um you know one one of the great things about our industry and the things that that i love the most is people are willing to share uh what what they're doing and they're willing to befriend you uh, no strings attached um to to help you grow in your business and and to learn about what you're doing so we just really um, make an ongoing effort in these areas to network to learn uh and again to just try to create value yeah. So Houston is not a uncompetitive market. Uh, it's it's one of the largest markets in the U.S., obviously, because of the, the sheer size of the city. But it's not uncompetitive in terms of, of competition to what you're doing. Uh, what are you guys doing to, to continue to remain an attractive choice to people? Yeah, we, yeah, we, we do compete with some very large players. Um, all the nationals, uh, for the most part, are here. What has happened in Houston is there were there there was quite a bit of choice, and over time, a lot of the smaller uh, record centers have uh, merged or been bought out by some of the the larger incumbents. What we have tried to do first and foremost is to stay away from commodity yeah. uh, type business. We have no problem saying no or walking away from business that might be high volume. Uh, low margin and, and would otherwise affect the service that we would give to our other clients. So right. we, we've stayed away from commodity type business. Okay. We've also stayed away from business in our market, um, like destruction, 
where there is a whole lot of competition and rates are, are what I think, you know, very, very low here. Right. So, uh, you know, we outsource that. We do some of it in-house, uh, but only where it makes sense. Right. And so we just, again, try to have, I think, dialogue directly with, with customers. When a client calls Veritrust, they can talk to an operations manager. They can talk to a customer service manager. They can talk to the owners of the company. You cannot do that with any anybody else we compete with in Houston. Hmm. So I think that alone gives people a comfort level. Yes. We've done that from the very start. Um, and so you know, we differentiate ourselves that way. Hmm. Um, what, what's also nice about how our business is structured, we are small enough that we can adapt to a customer's needs and a customer's process um, and kind of bend, you know, bend ourselves to make um, the, the relationship work. Right. And benefit the customer. Yeah. Versus having a kind of rigid bureaucracy that we're, that because if we were so large, you know, you would have to do business our way or we couldn't do business. Yeah. You're looking at your current business and you've grown significantly and you've got a unique place in the, the Houston market and, and in this, some of the other cities that you service. Uh, but what what are some of the things that you sort of see out in the distance in terms of where you're going to have to evolve your business to to remain uh, that growing company? You know, again, back to kind of the commodity type areas. You know, we we always look for you know ways and avenues and complementary services that we can get into that again do add some value to a customer. Right. Um, we, we don't think of ourselves as, as a record storage company or a tape storage company. It's so much more than that. I mean, we, we do that service, right. but that's really not what we're about. And so I think with all the regulatory change that has occurred, you know, over the, over the past, you know, four to eight years yeah. with client businesses losing people, you know, everybody's kind of thin, thin in personnel, you know, departments are shorthanded. You know, we're looking for uh, ways that we can add value to those people, and that might be project-based work where we literally go in and pack up records for them. It might be audit tracking that we put in place where they had no system before with kind of the changes in, in healthcare care laws. Um, there's kind of an emerging um, you know, practice that we see, our, our custodian of records practice, where we're taking over um, – yeah records for hospitals and doctors, fulfilling those to patients. So there's just kind of small little niche markets that we continue to hunt down, and, and uh, the margin's good, the, the work is good, and so we just try to evolve that way, um, again, staying away from commodity-type business. And, and that, that I think that point is so critically important. There is a in any market, there is a tendency to want to always go towards that commoditization. And, and yet, you know, the, the reality is, or there's this belief that we have to go that way. And the, the, re, the reality is you don't have to go that way. There are so many other options. It's the reason not everybody in the world drives a, a, a Hyundai or a, a Chevy. Uh, there's a whole lot of Mercedes and BMWs and, and Cadillacs driving around the world. Not everybody has to commoditize, and and it's good to hear that you're you're sort of sticking to your guns on that one. Yeah, I think you have to. I mean, we we want to, as I was saying before, we want to make continual improvements, 
And those improvements, uh, you know, maybe may technology or infrastructure, and that stuff, you know, not free. So to hire good people, to hire, um, you know, good kind of knowledge base uh, helpers, and again, the, the software and the systems that we put in place to, to track client records and to run our business, uh, that stuff's expensive. Yeah. So we need to be able to find kind of niche markets that um, do provide good return. It, it benefits everybody. So, so again, we're, you know, just the value creation, again, not, not only for the client, but also for us is key in that. Yeah. So what keeps you up at night as it relates to your business? What, what do you worry about? I would say just making sure we have covered all the bases in a given day, hmm. uh, of which there seems to be, you know, not four, but hundreds. You know, most most importantly, making sure that all customer requests are serviced. Yeah. That we are providing 100% accuracy for the customer assets and in which we've been entrusted. We have so many set deliveries on a daily basis because in in our business as as a whole, we are fairly heavy on the offsite data um, side services. So right. we have a lot of set deliveries, a lot of tapes moving, a lot of records, a lot of file medical files. So. Just keeping track, making sure that everybody is, is getting uh, accurate ful- fulfillment. Yeah. I, I think also um, just funding that continual investment in infrastructure and people. You know, we, we're always looking for good people, and they are hard to find. Right. Uh, you, you not only want someone that's trustworthy and can pass a background check, but you also need someone, as I was saying earlier, that, that has that aptitude and that ability to, to adapt and learn. So just making sure we keep an eye out for, for good people. I think probably also most recently, I, I think the kind of current political climate and the economy is another one. Hmm. Um, you know, a, a lot of the incentive to kind of invest in your in your business, um, you know, as far as growth and incentives to hire, you know, it's kind of been stepped on. Yeah. So we've been fortunate we we had our best month ever last month you know we continue wow. to grow we, we continue to invest in our business but it's definitely you know tough out there uh, uh, you know it's definitely tough yeah so if if you could say there's one thing you're extremely proud of in your business what what would it be no question kind of first and foremost would just be the people on our team hmm. we really do work as a kind of horizontal team structure or team environment uh, we have people that come in just day to day and do very granular work that is, uh, you know, sometimes mundane, sometimes hot when these guys are out, you know, picking up records and delivering. Yeah. Keeping track of customer assets and keeping track of calls and service requests. Right. Uh, we, we really do. I, I know we do have it good. Things are very smooth. Uh, but I would say absolutely the people that we have uh, – really are the key to the business that we have. I, I would say also we've had from the very beginning a kind of behind-the-scenes care and attention to the customer service and security and client assets that has not changed over time. Mm-hmm. There's always dialogue going on behind the scenes of how can we help this customer? Is the customer doing something that they don't realize is going to cause them a problem down the road? that we can maybe help them with. So I think having that ongoing kind of care and attention to detail attitude that we've had since, you know, the the very beginning, 
And then I think also, as I discussed earlier, just our willingness to kind of creatively destruct our own business. Yeah, that's uh, cool. Yeah, just to make sure we've got the processes, the people, you know, technology and service offerings. You've you've got all this way, and uh, if you had the luxury of going back and talking to uh, you and Chris when you started the business, what advice would you give yourself? <laughs> uh Probably the advice I would give myself is that don't get into the business because you'll never make it. I think at the time we just <laughs> were too young and, and dumb to know any better. Right. And we, we literally did, you know, bootstrap it for a very long time. Um, and if you, if I look back and, and someone was asking me today, you know, what's it going to take to start a, you know, a, this, this kind of business, I would say, well, it's going to take a whole lot more money than what we started you yeah. know, started with. Um, so, you know, again, we just, we, we were fortunate to be able to learn and to not make any mistakes that, you know, put us in a coffin. Right. But that, that's what I tell them. I, I definitely say, think it out and make sure you have a whole lot of money. Well, I, I, I love where you've come from and, and the success that you've achieved. And I think you are part of what makes, uh, this industry so cool. Uh, but you're, you know, it's such a great story because you started from nothing, uh, you came from being an employee somewhere else. Uh, so many other companies come into this space from an, a, a business that's aligned already, like moving, self-storage, uh, warehousing, any any of those other subway. You you started from scratch and uh, and are obviously showing significant signs of success. So so congratulations to you guys for doing that. Yeah, thank you. No, I, I think we've you know we we have our priorities in the right place, and uh, Chris and I both. Um, you know, put our families first and have, you know, a personal balance uh, within our business. And, and so, you know, the success that we've had, you know, it's great to see your business grow. Um, but if you're not taking care of your family, uh, you know, spending time with the kids and, and you know, which, which is the most important thing, you're kind of really not having what I would call kind of real success. So I think being able to kind of look at ourselves and, and be honest to say, you know, what, what are we really looking for? Um, you know, we're, we're we're in the same place. And so, um, you know, we, we've just been very fortunate and we've got a great business and a great team and we, we love the industry and and our industry friends. And, uh, we just think we have a a stellar service that we provide to clients. Uh, so we just feel very blessed and very fortunate. Well, good, good on you for doing that, and to uh, Chris and you, that's that's great. Hey, I got a couple of final questions as we we wrap up the show, and I always like to ask some sort of personal questions because I always find these uh, interesting insight into who you are as a person. Uh, sure. if, if you had a free day and magically you could do anything you wanted with the day, and I know you work hard to get those kind of days, but if tomorrow I just magically gave you a free day, you didn't have to work with, worry about the business, everything, your family could or could not be with you, what would you do tomorrow? Uh, I would definitely choose to be with my family, uh, with, with my wife and four kids. Um, I would probably choose to be somewhere where there was no uh, cell phone signal, um, <laughs> you know, out, out, outdoors, either in the mountains or the beach, uh, where there were no, you know, technology distractions. Right. Um, but just being able to spend quality time and, and to just relax with them. Uh, get get to know them personally. What's what's going on in their lives? Um, you know, it's it's a pretty uh, simple, not you know, non-eventful answer. But that that's really what where where I would want to be. 
Right. So you're you're in martial arts, and apparently you have a black belt. And uh, is there one thing that black belt has taught you about business? I would say as as a whole, I started into martial arts kind of by accident when when I took my child uh, just to have to give him an activity, and I was sitting out in the audience or with the other parents. Yeah. I kind of woke up one day and thought, well, I'm sitting here for an hour. I might as well get out there and and just at least work out. I, I did not get into it to learn a martial art, to, to get a certain <laughs> belt cover. But I would say no question uh, per, the persistence and the hard work and not rushing things. Hmm. Um, you know, as an adult doing martial arts or any kind of exercise, you always have some kind of injury. You always have some kind of distraction, whether it's work or taking the kids somewhere, um, taking care of your family. So I had to learn kind of a new level of patience, yep. both, both you know physically with my body, with the external factors. So I, I would say just persistence, don't rush things. is it, probably you know the biggest thing I learned. Cool. Hey, one final question. Okay. Uh, what are you reading right now that's changing you? A lot of what I am reading is actually what I am rereading. Uh, as you as you know, I'm in a program called called Strategic Coach, yep. which is geared to business owners and entrepreneurs. Yeah, a lot of what I'm I'm going back and reading now is uh, is content from that program hmm. that has helped me tremendously over time. Uh, the the primary book or driver that kind of started me off in that program is a book called How the Best Get Better. So there's a volume one and two. Uh, I am actually rereading that at this time. I am also rereading one of my. You also know I'm I'm big into nutrition and right. eating healthy, uh, but I'm I'm rereading the Omnivore's Dilemma oh, by yeah. Michael Pollan. Oh yeah, yeah. Just just as a refresher to keep me on on track um, with, with staying healthy and staying fit. Very cool. Well, Michael, it's been great to catch up with you again. I'm very uh, excited for you and Chris and the, the growth of your business and the success you're continuing to have. But I, I think from my perspective, as I've watched you over the years, I think success comes to those who uh, work hard at making it happen. And and one of the things I'm, I've always been appreciative of you guys is the, the willingness to not only uh, share your successes, but share your, you know, share the other stuff that you're learning along the way. And I know many people in the industry have have been uh, affected by you and count you as uh, people that have have given them advice along the way and shown them your place and shown them your both your successes and your flaws. And so I, I know many people are grateful to you for your your role in that. So thank you. And thank you for sharing it again with us today. Yeah, and thanks for having me. It's always good to talk and uh, always good to help others. I, I hope somebody gleans something out of out of this interview that, that helps them either personally or, or in their business. And, again, this is one of the great things about our industry is just that, you know, what, what you mentioned, that willingness to share and, and to help others. Yeah, yeah. Well, thanks again for being part of the show. All right. Thank you, Tom. Cheers. Bye. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That was good stuff. That was a, a really good uh, opportunity to hear really the essence of Michael Marchand. Michael 
has been someone I've known for a long time. And what I always appreciate about Michael is his willingness to share his story, to share it honestly from his perspective. And, and that's what's so cool about what they've done there. And like he said, they've grown significantly since we last talked to him uh, over a year ago. And so uh, congratulations to them and uh, great guy. So I'm glad you got a chance to hear him and uh, hear about what they're doing at Veritrust. Hey, thank you for being with us again this week. I really appreciate it. I hope the show is beneficial to you. I hope you learn stuff from it. And if you have something cool to share, we'd love to hear it from you. Uh, if you're doing something interesting and you want to extend that beyond your own walls and uh, want to do it in a in a simple, easy, informative, fun way on the RIMPRO Report, we'd love to have you. Just let me know. Hey, thanks again to our good friends at O'Neill Software for sponsoring this show. What I what I think so cool about O'Neill is they got coverage everywhere. They're not they're not just headquartered in North America here and and sending stuff overseas. They're they actually have people. Uh, and in three different quadrants of the world, but they're serving the entire group. They've got it in uh, North America here. Uh, they've got it in Europe, which also has full coverage in uh, Middle East and Africa. And they've got a full presence in the Asia Pacific region. And that's really cool. What I actually learned from them a couple of weeks ago is that as the clock turns around the world, they, they can actually forward their calls, their support calls actually get forwarded to any open desk around the world. So they've got coverage 24 hours a day and that's a pretty cool thing. Hey, if you want to learn more about them, you can check them out at O'NeillSoft.com. Well, that's it for us. It's been a good week. I hope you have a great one ahead, and we'll see you next week. We are out of here. Thanks for joining us on the Rim Pro Report with Tom Adams. If you enjoyed the show, please tell others. Our website is www.rimproreport.com where you can find show archives and a whole lot more. This broadcast is produced and hosted by Flourish Press Incorporated. Join us again soon.